We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. You might ask yourself, it doesn't take all that, but we know he is all that. We're not, we're not doing it to get a response. We're responding for something we already know is. Right? So when you see people with their hands lifted up and a, a travail or a groan or a cry or a praise that comes out of their heart, you go, that really might not be my personality and it may not be your personality, but I know what. When something grabs a hold of you on the inside that becomes a reality to you and you're outside, you cannot help to respond. And be, I mean, I know what the Lord has done. I know who he is. I've, I've been to a ball game. I've screamed at ball games so I was hoarse, right? Because something on the inside of me got a hold of me when I was watching something on the outside. But man, when you begin to see the Lord high and lifted up, and you begin to see him work in your life, and when you begin to see him do things that you cannot explain and things you didn't even know you didn't even had to ask for, he begins to orchestrate steps. You can't help but think of a gratitude from your heart that when you begin to see him and you begin to worship him and you begin to praise him, something in the atmosphere changes. I can't explain it, I just experience it. I don't know how it works, I just know it works. So for the next 30 seconds, while the band just plays, and while you're sitting in your seat or standing in your seat, I just want you to, from the inside, I want you to just reach up, and I want you to give everything you have to the one that gave everything he had to you. He didn't hold anything back for you. Don't hold anything back for him. I know for sure if it had not been for the Lord if the Lord had not have been on my side I wouldn't be standing here today and that ought to be everybody in here's reality and testimony of what the Lord has done for you and if that is you I want you to find somebody just beside you hug them squeeze them high-five them do whatever you can and then be seated in the presence of the Lord Turn your Bibles to Exodus, thank you, Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Are you ready? 
Some of you came ready, I can tell. Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now, please, talking to Pharaoh, Moses is, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Verse 19, but I am sure, the Lord says to Moses, that the king of Egypt, speaking of Pharaoh, will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. Verse 21 says it all. I'll give you favor, I'll give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go out empty. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. We could stop right there, and we had already been in church. Yes. Do you know the Bible speaks of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know they were in, children of Israel were in, in bondage in Egypt over 400 years, under the slavery, un, on slavery, under the tutelage, under the governorship, under the, the control of Pharaoh. A Pharaoh that did not know who Joseph was, which was Joseph was the great grandson of Abraham. But he sat under the Pharaoh and 10 and a half generations went forward under slavery. And we're talking about greater things. As they were under the slavery for 400 plus years, there came a time when God began to raise up a people. Now the people that were in Israel or in Egypt under slavery at that time, under the, the, the control of Pharaoh, were the people that said things like this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were, the Pharaoh and all of the children of Israel only had a reference to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't their, he wasn't their God personally in a relationship because they didn't have one. But what they did have was a reference point of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Let me tell you today, we know him as the God of Jesus, the father of Jesus, right? But if he isn't your father and he isn't your God, all you can do is reference him by somebody else's relationship. For decades and decades and decades, Abraham had a personal relationship with, with, with God, right? God come to him and visit him and said, it's time to get out from your land, leave your daddy's place, and you're, I'm gonna take you to a place that you don't know where you're going. Just start going, start going, and when you get there, you will know it. Abraham had to have that relationship with God when he, when he was learning to listen to the voice of God and, and journey with God. Personal relationship. Isaac was the baby on the altar, the young man on the altar, when his daddy was ready to sacrifice him. Isaac gets up and he learns about worship. He learns how to, how to function in, in relationship. It was not just the God of my dad, now it was the, he was in my God. Jacob, the manipulator. Jacob knew how to go out and work for seven years to get a wife and he worked for Laban and you know the story. 
And then all of a sudden, God is known, the Father, Jehovah, is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For generations, for generations, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but something was lost in those days. That personal, intimate relationship was missing. He was only a figure to some other generation. Can you hear what I'm saying? They knew about what he did. They could tell Abraham's testimony because they had it handed down to him word to mouth. They could tell about Isaac's testimony. They could tell about Jacob's testimony. But, but, but where is our testimony? For 400 years, we've been in slavery working under this mess that we're in, and we heard about how great it was, but it don't feel too good right now. Can you imagine, and can you blame them for being discouraged when things aren't working like they thought they should be working. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It, you look all around you, you got cousins and you got brothers, you got sisters, you got family members, you got distant relatives, you got all these people that you're acquaintances with and you look at their life and no matter how good that life tries to become, they're still sitting underneath the oppression of control. So all they can do is move laterally, they're not able to move up and down, they don't, they don't, there's no, seat. the ceiling is put on their head and all they can do is just move side to side. 430 years, so much so that when Abraham was young and Abraham was journeying, Abraham had a wife, the last wife that he had, he had a son and his son's name was Midian. And when they were setting up territories, Midian set up in a territory called Midian. Midian was the only son in that territory that was worshiping Jehovah God. All of his ancestors worshiped Jehovah God. Everybody else was serving pagan gods. 400 years go by. There's still a place after 430 years that's still called Midian and it still serves Jehovah God. Even though all around it was pagan and worldly. Isn't it good to know that God always has a place? He'll never be without somebody. He always has somebody. It may look like it's empty and void all around you, but I promise you, God's got somebody in your life that has favor, you have favor with, that has solutions for your issues. God always has somebody. He'll never leave himself without somebody. So Midian was still worshiping the Lord. 430 years later, all of a sudden, Exodus starts beginning. God's beginning to move. There's going to be a transition and a transformation for an entire population of people. God looks, he sees the condition their hearts are in, and the Bible speaks about in Exodus chapter one and Exodus chapter two, that there was a baby that was born because Pharaoh grew up realizing there's so much more of these Israelites, these Jewish people, there's so many of them, if they get too big for their britches, we're gonna have a problem. So I've gotta keep them underneath the oppression, because if they ever realize who they are and whose God they have, they're gonna be in, we're gonna be in trouble. They'll overthrow us, so we can't let them know who they are, and we gotta keep them working hand to mouth and trying to work themselves silly and keep them into works, because if we can keep them in works and toiling, they'll never have the time to recognize who they really are. So Pharaoh says what we're gonna do is we're gonna kill the baby boys, the firstborns. We can't let them, because he's, what he's hoping is over a course of 40 or 50 or 60 years, if there are no boys, 
there are no seed. We'll just extinct the gener- an entire generation. We'll, we'll, just let, we'll, we'll wait 40 or 50 years to snuff them out. But we know they won't grow. So that if they take away the seed, we'll take away a generation. So we'll take care of all the sons. The firstborn sons, they're done. Except there was one. There was a little boy that we know as Moses. Moses was a baby. Moses' mother had the baby and she hid him as long as she could hide him. Couldn't hide him any longer. They were out, armies of Pharaoh were out going about looking about to kill all the baby boys. She held him as long as she could. She hid him as long as she could. Finally, she builds a little ark, bulrush, ark. She puts him in the river. Why the river? Because the river is flow and the river takes. The river, she puts him in the flow. You hearing what I'm saying? Puts him in the flow, takes her hands off of what she had given birth to, and it goes all the way downstream. You just got in get in the flow. Amen. Take your hands off of what your gift is and let it flow. Yes. It'll end up where it's supposed to end up. And it ended up downstream while there was a lady, ladies, that were there and they saw this baby. But the woman that saw and spotted the baby happened to be the daughter of Pharaoh. She looks at the baby. She brings the baby in. She says she got the baby. She takes the baby back to her dad. And they're gonna keep this one and raise him up in the house of Pharaoh. Even though he was born over here with a different set of DNA, he was placed in the flow and he's taken downstream, picked up by what looked like the enemy. The enemy brought him in the house and for the next 40 years, this young man grew up learning all about the system of Egypt. That's why I don't get discouraged when I see somebody out in the world and they've been out there for a long time and they're learning the ins and outs of how to hustle, how to manipulate, how to lie and cheat. I don't, I don't lose my breath when I see that. Because I know, I know God. Oh, I know, I know God. And how else can they help those people when they get saved lest they know how those people out there in the world think? Amen. Amen. The worst thing you can have, one of the worst things you can have, is a Christian that is so naive to the things of the world. I'm not saying you should go experience the things of the world. I'm just saying don't look down on the people in the world because you didn't have to go through anything in your life. You went, the hardest thing you had to go through was going from Sunday school to middle school. Right? I knew some of those people. I was going through the toughest time in my life. And things were going crazy. And all I got was, I got, I got, the people that really rallied around me were the people that had been out in the world. The church people, I called them. <laughs> they were good church people. But there were, some of them were self-righteous. Self-righteous. You reap what you sow. Yeah, I know. Thanks for the encouragement. You make your own bed, you lay in it. Yeah, I know. Thanks for lending me a hand. I, I, I don't need Christian people to state the obvious when I'm going through something hard. And if all you can state is the obvious, then you can't show me a solution. Then your Christianity 
is literal and not spiritual. Right? Oh, come on. We ain't raised up a bunch of religious, stiff-necked people that look down their nose at people. Now, if they're acting out, we'll kick them in the rear end and get them going, right? We'll grab you by the nap of the neck and say, come on, I'm gonna show you a better way. But we're not gonna stand up here and fold our arms and say, you come over here and live with us and we'll make you more just like we are. Ain't nobody wanna be just like you are. Right? We're gonna raise these people up right. Moses was grown up in Pharaoh's house in Egypt. He knew, he could, he could walk in, he was just almost like a grandson of, of, of Pharaoh. He could walk in Pharaoh's office. He didn't have to wait for an invitation. His daughter, or his, his mom, or the one who was raising him as his mother, in the stead of his mother, raises him up. He learns how Egyptians think, how they talk, how they live. They le he learns about their architecture, their education system, their, their commerce, their communication style. He learns everything about how the Egyptians work. He gets to be 40 years old. And when he becomes 40 years old, the real purpose of Moses' creation is starting to now come out. He sees an Egyptian coming up against an Israelite. Even though he was raised in the Egyptian home, there was something inside of him that knew there had to be a better way. Justice is still justice. And he looks over and the guy's having problems and they're coming against him and Moses rises up in Moses. Moses kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Then he goes back to his business after burying him. The next day, another argument ensues because there's conflict and tension happening between the world system and the spirituality of what God was ready to do. God will allow conflict to happen to state the obvious so you can see whose side you on. Joshua said it this way, how long will you halt between two opinions? Moses rises up, same thing begins to happen. They're coming against some Israelites, some Jewish guys, and all of a sudden, Moses looks and, and the, 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 Israelite, the Egyptian guy looks at him and says, oh, are you gonna do to us what you did yesterday? Moses did what any smart person would do. He ran. I'm getting out of here. They have found me out. I got consequences. And Moses runs. He heads out, gets his stuff together, and he just goes. Guess where he lands? Of all the pagan provinces and territories outside of Egypt, Moses runs to Midian. Guess who's in Midian? A priest named Jethro a priest of the Most High God in a province that served Jehovah God. Moses' steps were ordered by the Lord. Born with a purpose, born with a call, born to deliver and redeem Moses. Thrown in a river, the river takes him downstream, looks like it's taking him the opposite direction he was supposed to go, but it was actually taking him right into the will of God. 
picks him up, brings him on an invitation. When the decree said he should die, he got invited in because of somebody he knew on the inside of a mother that pulled him in, the daughter of Pharaoh. She spared him, brought him in, taught him everything he needed to know. And then God said, now it's the fullness of time. I'm gonna send you back and start the real journey that you're supposed to be on. Jethro comes, takes him in, begins to teach him. Now he's minding Jethro's sheep up on this mountain. The problem that arose up in Moses was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this guy over here because there's injustice and he's doing something wrong to these Jewish people. The challenge was Moses had not yet had, it was the right feeling, but Moses had not yet had a counter with God. Moses is up on the mountain. And as Moses is up on the mountain, minding the sheep in a province that served God under Jethro, Moses is there. 40 years later, 80 years total, he's 80 years old up on this mountain, and God says, now is the time. Moses, minding his own business, turns back, and he says, I heard something. I feel something, I smell something. This bush is burning. God speaks in that bush and he says to Moses these things. I want you to go tell Pharaoh. You got the end, Moses. You, you know how they talk. You know how they think. You know how they walk. You got insight, inside information. You probably have people on the inside that can help you walk through this thing, Moses. I want you to go tell them to let those millions of people that are my people to let them go. I want them to go on a three days journey out into the wilderness and I want them to sacrifice to me. Moses looks at him and says, dear God, are you out of your mind? I, I can't go back there. I killed a man as if God didn't know. What was happening though, it was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob that had been passed down all those 400 generations. God now wasn't satisfied with them being the, just the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He was becoming the God of Moses. He never wanted to be somebody else's reference of God. He wanted to be a personal God. So he raises up Moses, has an encounter with Moses here, and he looks and he says, by the way, Moses, I want you to go, get the elders, tell them, I'm bringing them out. I've, I've seen the condition they're in, the oppression has been for years, I've heard their cry, I'm telling you, I'm bringing them out because now's the time to bring them out. It's not gonna be by your hand, it's not gonna be by your influence, it's gonna be by me. And by the way, when you go talk to Pharaoh, because you know him, you know him, Moses. You were in his house, you ate at his, his table. He played with you. He changed your diaper, Moses. And I want you to tell him to let all these millions of people that are my people to go. Three days is all I want him to go out in the journey and sacrifice. He says, Moses says, God, I'm overwhelmed. I have an encounter with God. The bush is not even being consumed. I'm have, I, I, it's now going to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. God, what's happening here? Then God looks back to Moses and says, and by the way, I want you to go tell him. The people of the elders are going to follow you, but he's not going to let you go. Moses, it's gonna fail. I'm gonna give you an assignment that you can't do. I'm gonna show you the door and I'm gonna have the door shut right in your face. How many of us will still go? 
Moses wanted to argue with him. He said, but here's the deal, Moses. When you go, he's gonna tell you no. But it won't be by the work of your hands. But I will do something so big and so magnificent by my hand, by works of miracles and signs and wonders, that you won't go out empty. Moses, if you go bring the people out, they'll have an experience, but it won't be fulfilled. They'll get out in the wilderness, and when they get out in the wilderness, they'll go, man, the God, it'll be the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob and Isaac and Moses, but they'll know you as, as me as them, but they won't know them me as their God. So when you go to Pharaoh, tell him all this stuff, but he's not gonna let you go. Can you imagine Moses? All right. He goes and tells Jethro, got this, got this deal worked out with God. God's calling me to this, this place. I gotta go. He goes and tells the elders of the people, calls them together, brings them and says, listen, guys, in three days, we're out of here. We're gone. We're moving. You, your cry have come up before God. He's taken us out of here. Now, one thing Moses did not tell those people. He called the elders together and says, we're leaving. We're out of here. Get your stuff together. In three days, we're gone. Tell your family, tell your wives, tell your kids, take your stuff with you. It's over. The, 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 the slavery, the oppression, the depression, it's over. Tell them all we're leaving this place. We're gonna blow out of this place and be done with it. It's all gonna be a part of your past. Moses never told him the rest of what God said. Pharaoh's gonna tell us no. Because a fool utters all of his mind, Proverbs says, but a wise man says some of it for later. Some of you got dreams and visions and you go tell everything you know. A fool utters all of his mind. He tells everything, but a wise man saves some of it for afterward. Proverbs. So Moses goes and says, we're leaving. It's out of, we're out of here, guys. It's just gone. Let's go. You know the story. Pharaoh says, no, no. So the atmosphere was full of, it ain't happening. You won't, you can't, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get this thing inside of you, you got sickness in your body. You've got marital issues, you've got financial issues, you've got children issues, you've got family-related things. Whatever it is that's causing that oppression on your life, and there's always somebody around you that's feeding into, it may not be, it might not work, it won't work, it and all of a sudden doubt sets in over top of you, and you have a little bit of hope, but you're also a realist, and reality seems to take the place of any kind of faith that you have in your life. Hear me? No, no, it won't work, no, it won't work. The def your default button can't be no, even though Pharaoh said no. Because your enemy is not wanting you free. He wants you sick, he wants you beat up, he wants you depressed, he wants you oppressed, he wants you stopped, he wants you miserable, he wants you internally focused on yourself all the time. He wants you that, why? Because you can't journey and become mobile and enjoy life and life more abundantly when you're in that condition. So the first thing he's gonna tell you is no, and he will surround you with voices all around you that say the same thing. No, it ain't happening. Forget it. Moses comes out of the meeting going, think about it. God had already given him a word that said he was gonna say no. And he said no. And I'm sure Moses walked out saying, I wouldn't expect anything different, but I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, plagues start happening. God starts doing things. 
that man couldn't do. And when God started doing things, all of a sudden, he goes to Moses, says, go back to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. He'd already got to know. This time he goes back to Pharaoh and he says, you see what's happening? Stuff, real stuff's happening, Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, I tell you what, this time I'll let you go, but you can't go very far. You just can't, you can't go very, how far are you gonna go? You can't, you can't, get, can't get very far. Why? Because you gotta be close enough where I can pull you back into bondage if I want to. He don't want you free. Are you hearing me? The enemy doesn't want you free. What the enemy wants you to do is bound to your stuff that causes you to be oppressed and depressed. He wants you bound to your sickness to, 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 to demobilize you or immobilize you to keep you from not going forward. And then he says, when he realized, realized the enemy's going, I don't think I'm gonna stop him because there's something happening. The enemy then looks at you and says, all right, I'll, get, I'll let you get in feeling better, but you're not gonna stay healed. I'll give you a good report because the end result's gonna come back to me. It might, we might stop the fighting in your house, but it won't bring you true peace. That kid might come off drugs, but you know they're gonna be in treatment the rest of their life because you're not gonna go very far. Moses goes back to God and says, God, you heard him. God says, I'm stepping in. God steps in. More plagues. More things happening that affect Egypt. Moses goes back and says to God, and God says, Moses, this one I want you to go back and I want you to tell him. This time, only take the men. Women and the children stay here. The men can go. The men can go. They can go. Why? Because they're not going to... If I, if I stay here, I'm gonna eventually snuff you out of here. Without the seed, it can't multiply and grow. So go ahead and take them in. No. No, I can't take the Moses, no. You said no to me first, I'm not you can't take them in. I, I'm not going unless everybody goes. More plagues, more things start happening. Finally, he comes to him and he says, I tell you what, Go tell Pharaoh, God said, that this Passover's coming and every firstborn he gonna get, we're gonna take out. What I need from you is to put the blood of a lamb on the fourth doorpost of the house, over the house, and on the side of the house, on the doorposts. And I want you to get all the people in the house. Now here's what started taking place. While the, the, the Israelites were going inside their home with blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their house, Egyptians that lived around them started coming to their house. They started going, hey, I'm tired of the lice, I'm tired of the quail, the, the quail or the, I'm tired of the lice, I'm tired of the hail, I'm tired of the storms, I'm tired of all this stuff that's happening to me. There's something happening here that, that I feel like you guys are okay because it wasn't happening in Goshen, but it's happening all around us. And I need to get with you. So the Egyptians, the world, started seeing there was a line drawn between the blessing that was on the Israelites and the curse that was on the world. And they come start knocking on the door of the Israelites saying, can we come in your house? And God never excluded the Egyptians from coming in their house. All he said was the blood had to be on the doorpost and the blood had to be on the side. All you had to do was stay in the house with the blood applied. So if you were an Egyptian and you were in the house, the blood kept you safe. But if you were an Egyptian outside the house, you weren't safe. If you were an Israelite outside the house, you weren't safe. Yeah. Stay in the house. 
stay in the house. God doesn't, listen, this thing's not just for Jews or Gentiles. It's not for just saints and sinners. Hear me? It's whoever the blood applies is saved. Stay in the house. Stay underneath the covenant of the blood. Are you hearing me? Because there was, there was tons of things that were happening and what was happening was God was beginning to separate the favor on Israel and the curse that was on Egypt. Mark my words. You're going to see over this next decade a separation. Not because we live holier than the world and we're better than the world. You're gonna see favor on God's people Amen. that is not on the world. And the world will begin to see there's something happening inside that house that's not happening out here. That's the God's plan the whole time when he told Moses to go tell Pharaoh. I'll harden his heart so that Egypt can see who I am. Are you following me? The men couldn't go, the Passover. And also Pharaoh was reaping what he sowed because 80 years earlier, he made a decree to kill what? Every young man. So God was wiping his face, shoving his nose right in what his decree was 80 years earlier. That you tried to kill him out. I'm gonna show you how this works. Under the blood covenant. That night the destroyer came, killed all the firstborn. By this time, the entire nation of Egypt was screaming, wailing, travailing, crying out, God, What's happening? Calling Pharaoh. By this time, Pharaoh was on his heels. There had already been nine other plagues. Nine other things had hit him. The separation between Egypt and the world was starting to take place. God's people and God's blood covenant was beginning to be known and seen. And what was happening at that time, Pharaoh started out going, no, you're not going. Second, he said, you can go, but you can't go very far. Third, well, you can go, but just the men can go. The family stays here, because I'm gonna keep the family. The fourth thing he said was, listen, it's time for you to go, Moses. Before Moses ever went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh called for Moses. And he said, listen, you gotta go. Because you're blessed of God and your blessing on, from God is actually a curse to us. You gotta go. Moses, the same, God, same guy that had the encounter here, right, grew up in Pharaoh's house are you following me? Grew up in Pharaoh's home. Had the encounter with God on the mountain. Knew the Egyptian ways, and he learned the Midian ways, the ways of God. Sent under the priest of Jethro. So he learned worship and how God was to be worshiped. Killed a man over here 40 years earlier. Now he's sent to deliver an entire nation. Goes back after knowing he was gonna get a no the first time. Knowing he was getting a no the second time. No one he was getting a third time, the fourth time. And finally, Pharaoh says, Moses, just take all your people and go. Moses says, no, we ain't going. Not empty. Amen. You don't understand. It's cost me 80 years of my life, Moses said. You think I'm bringing out three or four million Israelites and Jewish people and we're gonna sojourn in three days journey and worship to God? Uh-uh, ain't happening that way. I want all the spoils in this entire nation. I want the gold, I want the silver, I want the blankets, I want every asset that's inside of this for my four million people. Pharaoh says, take it, take it. 
And all of a sudden, the prophecy that was on Moses' life, you guys gotta hear this, the prophecy that was on Moses' life, back on the backside of the desert, in four verses, Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He will tell you no. Are you hearing me? He will tell you no. It won't be by the works of your hands, but I will do a work that even the Egyptians will be mind will be blown. And by the way, Moses, all four million of, her, of you will not come out empty. Four verses, Exodus chapter three, 10 chapters later, and all the plagues and all the journey and all the struggle and all the strain, they came out with everything they needed to be a nation independent of man and totally dependent on God. Are you hearing me? Mark this down. How's that apply to me? That's a great Bible story, great Bible lesson. Pharaoh is nothing more than represents the enemy. And the enemy targets your life to keep you in oppression, repression, and in bondage. Because he knows, as Pharaoh knew, that if I give them a little bit of freedom and they get to know who he really is, I'll never contain them. I'll never stop them. I'll never be able to control them. So I've gotta keep them oppressed and depressed. I've gotta keep them with prescription medication coming their way just because they can handle all the pressures of life. I've gotta keep it, and then he'll say this, but you know what, they're, they're getting too strong. So what I'm gonna do is give them a little bit of slack so they think they're free, but really that freedom isn't freedom, it's just an extended chain. So they think they're okay. In fact, we'll let them go to church every Sunday. We'll let them even praise God and worship God. We'll let them do, I don't care that they do all that. I just can't have them free. I just won't let them get free. They, they're not gonna, they're, they've gotta, I've gotta have a hold on them. So what's he say? All right, eventually he'll say, I'll let, you, I'll let you have your church services. Man, I'll let you have nice buildings. I'll let you live in nice homes. I'll let you have good careers. I'll let you do all those things. But you're not gonna know him, and you're not gonna spread the freedom about him. You're not gonna do it. I gotta, I'm not gonna let you know the trick of Pharaoh, but God's raising up a Moses. A Moses that knows the inside, that knows how not ignorant of the devil's devices. And he's raising us up. And then he's saying this, I'll, I'll let you do your thing. I'll let, but I'm coming after you. I'm, I'm, listen, as long as you're looking over your shoulder at me, you're truly not free out in your future. Amen. So all I gotta do is stay back here. And I can let them walk, I can let them church service, I can let them have their homes, I can let them do this. I just need them acknowledging me behind them going at any time, it could fall apart. Because as long as they ascribe to doubt and unbelief, I can paralyze their walk no matter where they go. Oh God, that'll preach. That will preach. I, I just need them to think at any moment so they can move forward with caution, fear, worry, and concern. I'm not here today to down the way we've had to cope with stuff over the last several decades. I'm not here to down it. But I'm gonna state the obvious to you. 
there are more people on anxiety and antidepressants than any time in the history of the country. We are over, over top of this region, we have it. Listen to me, Pharaoh, the enemy, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging that, I'm just saying it is. Are you hearing me? And we're suffocating, we're choked, we can't get a good breath. And occasionally the enemy will release the stronghold off of you just so you can get a breath so he can just grab you that much tighter. And I'm here to tell you, the song we sang today and the things of greater things that we're talking about that Jesus did. Because Jesus is our example of, of the modern day New Testament Moses. Jesus came down to experience Egypt so he would be tempted just like me and you were tempted today. Are you following me? He, he knows what you're going through. Not only does he know what you're going through, he came that you might have life and that life more abundantly. And I'm not telling you guys this for any other reason to tell you that the world, if we called it Egypt, is crying out, hoping you and I have what we really say and proclaim we have. They're over here going, God, I wish somebody would get it right because I'm miserable. While the church is over here proclaiming it right, but some of us are still living miserable. What you're going to see, what you're going to experience is a dividing line in the sand. And God is raising up a people and they're already on the earth today and you are some of those people that believe in faith and by faith that he is who he says he is and Pharaoh and the enemy can't hold you back any longer. As clearly as bold and courageous as Moses was when Moses stood up and he said, no, when Pharaoh said, go, go. You know, you can have a sickness in your body and you can have faith and God's raising up such generals and, 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 and people of faith that look at you right in the face and they'll say, you can be free and get free. Last week alone, three different testimonies of people that had neck injuries, neck problems, instant relief. I've heard of testimonies of kidneys that were, 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 were bad and, and reports going to happen. Uh, uh, what was it you had, Ricky? Diverticulitis on the record and it's now gone. Now listen, I really wrestled with saying, because I've been a part of the churches and I've done this before. We bring up and bring up these testimonies because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And listen to what the Lord spoke to me last week. He told me, he said, I don't want you to parade my people up there and give them five or six testimonies in the midst of five or 600 people or a thousand people that watch this thing on the internet. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to, don't parade those people up there. I want to get it so much. I want so much freedom to happen in my people. Listen to me, that it's so normal that you don't have just a few. It's happening in everybody's life. They came out of Egypt wanting nothing. The first visit from Moses was, I gotta know. He said, no, it ain't happening. Right? The last visit to Pharaoh, Pharaoh initiated and said, get them out of here. There's a generation of young kids that are growing up in this region here 
that are fighting for everything they get. And if it wasn't for some great godly people that are surrounding them and influencing them in their life, they wouldn't have a model, a role model. They may not even have food at times. And they're doing the best that they can with what they have to work with. And their parents, we can look at them and say, gosh, look at them, they just got a bad influence. Do you not understand? They're under the influence too. They're under the darkness of the entire region. And if the church don't have the goods, who's gonna have the goods? The only alternative we have is to send them to therapy or send them to, to different schools or send them to other places or send them to rehab. And send them. Where is the church if we don't have the goods? I'm telling you, we have the goods. I'm telling you, all I'm looking for is somebody that don't agree with Pharaoh and say no. I need somebody that says, I believe in faith that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. I need somebody that's gonna be mobilized and ready to go. I need somebody that's gonna take a risk and step out and pray for somebody when they hear somebody sick or hurting. Somebody step up. You're waiting on a, it can't be a God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of Moses. It can't be that just only. It can't be the God of just Jesus. It's gotta be your God and my God. And he's gotta be personal to us. That we have an encounter with him against a bush and the bush looks at us and it doesn't consume it and something changes your life when you have an epiphany and an encounter with God. You begin to believe that he is who he says he is and he can do all he says he will do. And in four verses in chapter three of Exodus, God gave the beginning of the prophecy and the end of the prophecy and Moses had to walk it out over the next 10 chapters. I'm asking you, we got a city and we got a region, we got a nation, you got a family, you got kids, you got grandkids, you got nieces and nephews and brothers and sisters that are depending on you. And I'm proclaiming and declaring the voice of the deliverer today. That rise up, get yourself ready. I'm not talking about getting all the junk out of your life. No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about somebody that'll say, I have faith. I believe, I believe, I believe that God is doing this, but I believe God can do this. And somebody needs to contend for a generation that's on the earth right now that can walk in what God called us to walk in, be what God called us to be, and do greater things than he even did when he was here on the earth. Stand to your feet with me. pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, you said to Moses that I am that I am sent you. say just now, I'm looking for a people, and I have found them, that will say, I will, I will, I will pray for the sick and see them recover. I will reach down and give a hug to that young man and that young girl 
that's never seen love before. I will contend for my marriage and my family. I will seek the Lord with my whole heart. I will take a risk. I will refuse to hear the word no. I will receive my healing. I will receive my freedom. I will receive peace of mind. I will, I will, I will. And God says, I just need somebody in agreement with me that will agree with, I will, if you will. Father, we come in agreement with you today. Our minds say one thing, because Pharaoh speaks to our heads. Our bodies sometimes don't cooperate. We might have to go through 10 chapters to get to the end result, but God, we're still gonna move through those chapters. We trust, Lord, that you have placed us in the river in the past of our life and got in the current of the flow to take us where we needed to go. And you've orchestrated our steps in our life to have the experiences and the understanding and the know-how and acquainted with areas of our life that you've called us to be. And now we find ourselves in our season, our season to be and do what you've called us to be and do. We will exalt the name of the Lord. We will see a city that's changed. We will begin to take down oppression and depression. And we will walk in the power of your light. We recognize, Lord, this is not something to come, not something that has already just been. It is something that is. As you said to Moses, I am that I am, made it current. And today, Father, we come in agreement with your current, your current state of life. You are the God of the impossible. You're the God that heals us. You're the God that sets us free. So Father, when we walk out of this church here today, we will see you in the fullness of who you are. And we will take on a world that they will begin to see that Jesus Christ is the only way. We will stay under the, under the blood, the covenant of the blood. We will not depart from it or deviate from it. And we will see the hand of the Lord working. We bless you, God. We thank you, Lord. And we declare in this house and in this city, in this region, that the walls are coming down. Division is coming down. Poverty is coming down. Racism is gonna be split wide apart. Sickness and disease and oppression and depression and addiction. All those things, God, are coming down because you are rising up. Let God arise and let his enemy be scattered. And I thank you, Father, that you have called us to be the church of 2019 and 2020. You've called us to be a part of a big movement of what your spirit is doing across this land. And we will see a move in the spirit that's gonna set the captive free, that the world will begin to see he is the Lord God and he is the Lord God Almighty. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you all, we'll see you Wednesday night.